The following episode of the 9pm edict contains strong language. This is normal. It's Tuesday, the 28th of April 2020. And once more, uh, this seems to be becoming a bit of a theme, once more we have a man in a car getting angry. Dear government, we understand that the virus is not your fault. It happened. It is what it is. I'm not going to get into that idea that maybe you could have acted sooner. We can deal with that when this is all over. But here's the deal. We need a real fucking plan. It was the right move to make everyone stay home because that's the only way to deal with a virus like this. But here's where I have a problem. So... You told us to shut down non-essential businesses. You told us to go home and quarantine. You told us we have to keep social distance and stay inside. But you told us you would help. So where is the fucking help? These checks are what they are. I mean, let's be serious. I'm not going to turn away 1200 bucks because, number one, if you're going to give it to me, I'm taking it. And number two, it's our fucking money, not yours. It's ours. We paid that in taxes for everything we do every fucking day. So, okay, look at the typical family. Mortgage payment, health care payment, car payments, electric, water, garbage, phone, blah, 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 blah. So maybe, maybe the 1200 covers the mortgage. But what about all the other costs that we have each month? This $1,200 thing isn't doing shit for the normal world. Working family. You want to help? Here's one idea. Tell the fucking banks and mortgage companies to stop all mortgage payments at this time. Just stop them. And don't give me that three-month furlough bullshit. How does that even make sense? So someone who lost their job because you said to stay at home doesn't pay mortgage for three months, but in the fourth month they have to not only pay that month that's due, but also the three months they owed in full because it was furloughed? How the fuck does that help, you greedy cocksuckers? Someone was just unemployed and not earning money for three months. They weren't earning money! Hello? Now they just start back to work and all that money magically appears so they can pay the three months in a lump sum? How are they fucking paying that? Are you fucking idiots? Look, it almost makes sense that they can start paying the current mortgage due for the month when they go back to work. But they can't pay the prior three months? They had no income! So here's the idea. Just add the three fucking months of the furlough to the back end of the loan. So if they have, let's say, 19 years and six months left in their mortgage, just add the three months. Tonight they have 19 years and nine months. How fucking hard is that? You'll get your money, you shitbags. It's just delayed. The working stiff wins if you do that. It really helps. It actually helps. And what is up with these banks and lending assholes? I mean, come on. What is up with them? Hello, I'm still Gary, and uh, this is the 9pm Here's a Plague Diary, episode 7. Uh, for me, this is day 42 of the Quarantimes. Welcome. Uh, I had planned to record this on uh, Sunday, two days ago, on day 40, so I could make a joke about it being 40 days and 40 nights, and now I've endured longer than Jesus in the desert. I mean, I can still make that joke, and it's probably still just as, as good a joke as it would have been on Sunday. But speaking of Jesus, let's see how the Pope is going. The other day, he tweeted... When we are in a state of sin, we are like human bats who can move about only at night. We find it easier to live in darkness because the light reveals to us what we do not want to see. But then our eyes grow accustomed to darkness and we no longer recognize the light, tweeted Pope Francis. He was... uh, replied to by a Twitter account called Give Bats a Break, who said, On the contrary, Holy Father, the darkness brings to the bat precisely that which it does want to face, not what it doesn't. Bats are not under the cover of night committing crimes for which they should be ashamed, but providing 
invaluable services to our ecosystems and communities. Bats pollinate a wide range of flowers and trees that give entire countries their goods for export. They eat literal tons of bugs per night and save farmers millions of dollars in pesticides, which also improves the quality of our food. They spread seed and help reforest after disaster. Really, bats are better represented by our Lord's word in Matthew 6, verse 1, when he teaches, quote, Beware of practising your piety before men in order to be seen by them. Bats practise their good works in the darkness and serve as an example to how diligent in service we ought to be. And all this in the face of constant disrespect, threat of injury and death, with very little thanks or praise from humans. We ought to not grow weary in well-doing, as Sir Paul says, and expect to be hated in spite of the good we do. Then we will be like bats. Amen. Look, we we all have our off days, right? Even the infallible is the... Pope still infallible, or was that done away with in Vatican II or something? Anyway, check the rest of the replies to that tweet for more uh, bat fandom and yet more bizarre conspiracy theories. Anyway, off days. Are you having off days? How are you all going? I hope you're taking out uh, plenty of time to care for yourselves in these quarantines. Uh, I, as uh, most of you know, have a delightful collection of mood disorders. Uh, I mean, many writers do. Uh, and the bits that are depression have been uh, increasing, but mostly going down again this week. But as you know, uh, that's a thing. So on Saturday, after uh, last week it was a bit grey and that got a bit depressing, on Saturday I went for a big long walk in the sun. Well, only seven kilo- uh, kilometres from Bunjuri Cottages up to Lura. But it really helped. You should do the same. Uh, And just to uh, give it a bit of a burst, I decided to take a break from alcohol for just a couple of weeks up until my birthday next month when I I think I I should have a drink. And I will, because it's one of those birthdays with a zero at the end. Only the one zero, not two zeros. That's a while to go yet. Uh, But... One of the problems for me, apart from the depression, apart from occasional boredom, is I I find myself getting trapped into listening to whatever random old YouTube music, uh, uh, you know what I mean, music that YouTube is throwing at me. Uh, And this week, well, recent weeks, I've been taken down a very, very deep rabbit hole of Cold War era electronic music from the other side of the Iron Curtain. Soviet wave, it's called. That's actually a thing. So that piece is from a mixtape, you would have called it at the time, right? Uh, called Moonlight, or that's the title of the mix. It's from a YouTube uh, user called New Soviet Wave. And that tune 
is Prelude 4 by Electro Depot. I've been listening to quite a lot of that, yeah. But then last night, uh, some... Oh, yeah, this is a thing. I was given some Yugoslav synth pop from the mid-1980s. Uh, the brief mix was uh, labelled More 80s Electro Lamentations from Behind the Vinyl Curtain. This cold wave selection from Cold War Belgrade. Enough of that. I, I guess that's better than Audible, which has been suggesting I buy Malcolm Turnbull's recent autobiography or memoir as an audio book. I mean, it's been bad enough that we've had the former Prime Minister and member for Wentworth uh, appearing on interviews on every fucking radio and television program and live stream imaginable. Can you, and, and like he's voiced the book himself, so can you imagine listening to Malcolm Turnbull talking about himself uninterrupted for 25 hours and 28 minutes? I, I mean, I'm almost tempted to do it, you know, do the whole gonzo thing, get a couple of grams of speed and live tweet or maybe even live stream a video of me uh, listening to all 25 hours, yeah. Yeah, no, nah, I mean, the problem there is copyright, right? I mean, that's that's the key problem there. Yeah, no. Nah. A uh, couple of off days. Yeah, look, off days is a th oh, an off day with Malcolm Turnbull, wouldn't it be? Anyway, uh, Peter Vickers has been having a couple of off days. Peter Vickers is Secretary of the Kuringai Chamber of Commerce on uh, Sydney's North Shore, and he's discovered that they can't force people to use Australia's new COVID-19 contact tracing app. I mean... That's terrible. He can't force people to do it. Now, I'll come back to the app a bit later. It's called COVID Safe, as you probably know. You're probably sick of hearing about it by now. But Peter Vickers, Secretary of the Kuringai Chamber of Commerce, he is, no, he is not happy. Not happy at all. This is the email he uh, sent today. Dear business owner, re-COVID Safe app. Yesterday, you received an email suggesting that you do not permit entry to your business to someone that has not downloaded the COVID Safe app. From feedback I received, I have hunted down the document that regulates the use of this app. Here's the link, he says. And it's a determination made by the Minister of Health. I like he's only checking the rules after he's, he's demanded that. You know, you frisk everyone to check that their phones are logged in. Anyway, uh, just as an aside, yes, there is a determination uh, by the Minister of Health. He did that on uh, Saturday, Anzac Day, and it has an excellent title, which you can look up uh, or look at the link on the website. It is called the Biosecurity Brackets Human Biosecurity Emergency, N brackets, brackets Human Coronavirus with Pandemic Potential 
in brackets, brackets, emergency requirements, public health contact information in brackets, determination 2020. I'll read that again without brackets. The biosecurity, human biosecurity, emergency, oh, can't even do that. Have another go. Biosecurity, human biosecurity, emergency, human coronavirus with pandemic potential, emergency requirements, public health contact information, determination 2020. It's not good for your throat. Anyway, uh, Mr. Vickers continues, it says at the end that a person is not to coerce the use of the app in any way. He capitalises all that. The determination heading includes the words emergency requirements. This determination hardly makes the use of the app a requirement and certainly does not solve the COVID-19 emergency. No one's ever said it would, mate. The Minister of Health thus has wimped out on his duty to protect the population. In fact, he should have ordered Apple and Android to compulsorily download the app to all phones in Australia. Ordered Android, whoever they are. I, look, I, I know they're a thing, but anyway. To quote Peter Fitzsimmons in the Sun-Herald, as Barnaby Joyce is against the app, then Barnaby is usually so wrong... He doesn't actually finish the, the syllogism. Anyway, he continues, the government forced businesses to close and even had the police chase sunbathers down the beach. They should be using the same force to open up again. And let's face it, we all love a bit of force to open up, don't we? Someone made the goatsy joke on Twitter, so I won't make that now. Uh, Mr Vickers continues... Except for the 83 Australians that have sadly died from the virus, business and its employees have borne the brunt of the fight against the virus. Yes, yes. Apart from the 83 dead people uh, and the rest of the really, really sick people, except for them, Peter Vickers, uh, and his fellow business people, uh, yeah, you've been doing it tough, haven't you? Maybe not as tough as, you know, the nurses and doctors and the like, but... Just for once, dear listener, won't you think of the suffering of Sydney's North Shore business people? Yeah, I mean, fuck the diggers dying at Gallipoli. This is serious. Uh, Mr Vickers continues. He continues quite a bit. It is now time to help businesses to open and the COVID Safe app is our best tool. And he knows about tools. The government says they need 40% take-up to make it a success. That is 10 million out of a population of about 25 million. Just quietly, the population of Australia is clocking 26 million like any day now. Uh, 2 million have already downloaded the app, correct? Businesses need to encourage rather than coerce, another 8 million to download the app so that we can open our businesses again and start employing the over 1 million Australians that were thrown out of work. Get the app and let's get back to business. Yours sincerely, Peter Vickers, BSC, BEC, FCA, Secretary, current guy, Chamber of Commerce. Uh, yeah, two things. Uh, related to that one is indeed the biosecurity, human biosecurity, emergency, human coronavirus with pandemic potential, emergency requirements, public health, contact information, determination 2020. Uh, it's not a long document um, and it's actually pretty clearly written. I mean, there, there are some problems with it that'll be cleaned up, I'm sure. But section nine is pretty clear. Coercing the use of COVID safe. One, a person not 
a person must not require that another person, and I'll paraphrase this, download it to a mobile phone or mobile telecommunications device is what it said, or can't be required, you can't require someone to have it in operation and you can't require that another person consent to uploading the data into the National COVID Safe Data Store. And uh, section 9.2, a person must not refuse to enter into or continue a contract or arrangement with another person, including a contract of employment, or take adverse action within the meaning of the Fair Work Act against another person, refuse to allow another person to enter premises, or refuse to allow another person to participate in an activity, or refuse to receive goods or services from another person, or refuse to provide goods or services to another person on the grounds that, or on grounds that include the ground that, the other person has not downloaded, does not have it in operation, and is not consented to unload, upload the data, etc. So sorry, Peter Vickers, sorry you can't, you can't override the fundamental principle that people have agency over their own health. Cunt. I said cunt, but you're a cunt. Two, Barnaby Joyce. Yes, the former Deputy Prime Minister of Australia was on Sunrise on 7 yesterday morning, and it sounds like he's not going to install COVID safe. Now, Barnaby, this time uh, last week, you were not keen on this app. Have you downloaded it? Have you changed your mind? Uh, uh, no, I haven't. I welcome if people wish to. That's, that's their choice. It's a free country. Um, you know, I, I live in, a, in an area where all the time we have things hacked. Well, I don't know whether at the end of it, where they remove the references or the total files. Uh, you know, you've got to know that. O obviously, uh, there'd be people out there right now trying to decouple the data. Uh, to recode what they want, to re-inject it, to try and create man-in-the-middle sites. These are the concerns we have in any app, anywhere, on anything we do. Um, now, they're my concerns, they're not other people's concerns. Um, that We've got 4% of people now who, who have downloaded the app. That's, you know, as far as the policy of settings go, I suppose that's, that's good. But this is a free country and I, I make it my free choice not to do it. Okay. Have you done any more work into finding out exactly how it works? Um, because yeah, I have, it's just, uh, just Bluetooth. I did. Uh, uh, well, gosh, it's more than just Bluetooth. I mean, obviously, you know, McDonald's can tell you where I am and uh, this app will tell you who I'm speaking to. And look, it's a free choice. If people want to do it, they can. If they don't want to do it, they don't have to. Mm. And uh, that's the choice I make. I, I did uh, contact Stuart Roberts. Oh, I left good. a message and uh, asked him if we could get a, a briefing on it. Well, uh, did he get back to you? Uh, not yet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you hear that sentence in the middle? Obviously, there'd be people out there right now trying to decouple to data to recode what they want to re-inject it to try and create man-in-the-middle sites. Beautiful. At least... um. Mr. Joyce was social distancing, beaming in from Dangalmar in New South Wales, up in New England, in fact. Uh, not quite as far north as Armidale, but uh, getting up there. Uh, the blockchain hats have been onto the coronavirus, of course. I got this pitch the other day. I'm actually surprised I uh, haven't had more uh, blockchain pitches. This one suggested that I talk to some expert uh, about how blockchain can verify COVID-19 data. Uh, I say data. What do I say data? Uh, data, I usually say. How blockchain can save the supply chain from COVID-19 and blockchain solutions that are helping fight COVID-19. Look, I quite like this because, I mean, the people are saying, how can we trust the government to delete our personal contact tracing data and the blockchain expert? How about we put it on an unchanging database forever? Dickheads. 
Meanwhile, in the America, and uh, this week, fuck, where to begin? I mean, I know, we've got to start with the bleach thing, right? I mean, you all know about the bleach thing, but obviously, we have to start with the bleach thing. So, supposing we hit the body with a tremendous, uh, whether it's ultraviolet or just very powerful light, and I think you said that hasn't been checked, but you're going to test it. And then I said, supposing you brought the light inside the body, you can, which you can do either through the skin or uh, in some other way. And I think you said you're going to test that, too. Sounds interesting. We'll the right, folks who right. And then I see the disinfectant where it knocks it out in a minute, one minute. And is there a way we can do something like that uh, by injection inside or, or almost a cleaning? Because you see it gets on the lungs and it does a tremendous number of the lungs, so it'd be interesting to check that. So that you're going to have to use medical doctors with. But it sounds it sounds interesting to me. So we'll see. But the whole concept of the light, the way it kills it in one minute, that's uh, that's pretty powerful. Now, to give Trump at least some credit, he did he did qualify that statement a short time later. Maybe you can, maybe you can't. Again, I say maybe you can, maybe you can't. I'm not a doctor, but I'm like a person that has a good, you know what. Uh, the word you're looking for there, Mr. Trump, is brain. You have a good brain, is what you usually say. So that's all good, right? Uh, we'll get some medical doctors in to look at that. Now, what worries me a bit is that if you watch the video of that, and I, I know a lot of you will have watched the video of that, you'll see to the uh, audience left of the stage, you'll see a woman, a medical advisor of some sort, and as Trump is saying that, you can see her soul drain out of her. Well, her name is uh, Dr. Dorothy Birks, B-I-R-X. She's a former army colonel. She was appointed by President Barack Obama in 2014 to lead the government's fight against the AIDS epidemic. Or well, now, obviously, she's recording, uh, coordinating rather, the uh, Trump White House response to the coronavirus, at least she is today. Here's what she said a short time after that press briefing. How would you describe the job President Trump is doing behind the scenes and in front of the cameras during these daily briefings that we're seeing? What's been your perspective, Dr. Burks? He's been so attentive to the scientific literature and the details and the data. And I think his his ability to analyze and integrate data that comes out of his long history in business has really been a real benefit during these discussions about medical issues. Because in the end, data is data and he understands the importance of the granularity. And I think he's been really excited about finding the level of detail that we've been able to now bring over the last few weeks to really understand who's at the greatest risk for severe illness, who will have mild and less uh, and asymptomatic disease, and really calling on every American to do that social distancing, because some people may not know they're actually infected and be unknowingly spreading the virus. And that all comes from the president seeing the data and then really directing these policies and these guidelines that go out to the American people. What a fucking brown tongue. Now, uh, I suppose Dr. Burks does actually want to make sure that the White House has someone with, with a bit of clue handling this, but really, how, how soul-destroying to stand in front of a television camera and say that. Now, of course, poisonings are up in the United States as people start 
drinking and I don't know whether they're shooting it up, but certainly doing fuckheaded things with cleaning products. Does Trump take responsibility for that? <laughs> what do you think? They've seen a spike in people using disinfectant after your comments last week. I know you said they were sarcastic. I, I can't imagine why. I can't imagine why. Yeah. Take any responsibility? No, I don't. No, I can't imagine. I can't imagine that. Yeah, go ahead, please. <sighs> of course, uh, I won't link to this one, but as as you probably know, Trump is saying his original comments were sarcastic and intended to trick journalists. <laughs> Idiot. Uh, as usual, uh, most of those grabs uh, were found for me and for you by Aaron Rupar, uh, who is a journalist in, in D.C. He's on Twitter at at Rupar, not at at with the at symbol, but at A-T Rupar, Aaron something Rupar, A-T-R-U-P-A-R. So that's at Rupar, or if you're one of these silly people who thinks you have to sound out the at symbol denoting a Twitter handle, it's at at Rupar. Don't drink bleach. Don't inject disinfectant. And to quote Joan Wilson from Twitter, just for the record, the medical term for injecting disinfectants into the body is called embalming. And while we're looking at word definitions, lexicographer Susie Dent from the UK, you may know her from the uh, program Pointless. Uh, she noted the other day uh, that while toilet duck and Dettol are trending, here's a reminder, the word ultra-crepidarian, one who consistently offers opinions and advice on subjects way beyond their understanding. Ultra-crepidarian. Practice it. Some of you may be wondering why I concentrate on Donald Trump so much. Uh, I mean, not just for the comedy value, because it's, it's pretty dark comedy. It's because he's an alpha male, or at least says Sebastian Gorka, who once served as deputy assistant to the president. The left hated it when I tweeted out first week in the White House, the alpha males are back. They can't stand that. In an age where masculinity is deemed to be toxic, in an age where they, they say sex and gender is a function of fluid. choice. Fluidity. It's fluid. Yes, it's fluid. Yeah, fluid. 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 Man or woman, whatever. Then when you matter. see a six foot two Total guy joke. stand up there for two hours every day and bat the idiot questions away from the, the so-called journalist, that is the opposite of everything they want America to believe, isn't it? You, you know, we're, we're having fun here. We're chatting. And I remember during the campaign, I thought, I've thought about this. If you think about just in your life who the biggest Trump haters are that you know, it's not really the cool kids. Let's be honest. It's not the manly men. It's not it, the manly men. It, it's it, it, both men and women, right? It, it's, it's not the people who are truly secure in themselves. No. The men, the men and women I know who support I've, the president know who they are. Right. They, they for sure know what and, they're And they're is. the kind of guys and gals you want to hang out with. They're the kind of guys you'd want to co-host a podcast with, right? Am I right? <laughs> no, you're not right, Gorka. Uh, the guy with Gorka, by the way, is Boris Epstein, uh, who's a Russian-born American Republican political strategist, investment banker, and attorney, because of course, of course they are. They all fucking are. No, now, the real reason I concentrate on Trump, of course, is that Trump matters, and not just because he makes some stupid comment about disinfectant and people go to hospital. No, he is leader of the free world, uh, and at least in his own country, what he says in that 
you know, a part of the country which only gets their news from Fox News. Of course, what he says is what they absorb, and that's how they uh, form their view of the world. Uh, and, you know, America does, for the time being at least, have a, a, a reasonable economy and military power and so on. If you want to track some of this stuff, there's a Twitter account called Bad Medical Takes. Uh, someone posted there recently that uh, they'd seen this on a sign up in a hospital. Like someone pinned this up. It's just a flyer, but it says, Goodbye coronavirus. Information from patients recovering from hospital. They're saying daily take vitamin C, 1,000 units, vitamin E. Uh, at 10 to 11, get sunlight. For 15 to 20 minutes, that's an hour, 15 to, I guess part of that uh, doesn't specify whether you need to expose your perineum or not. Egg one item, I think that means eat one egg as opposed to egg something by throwing an egg at it and just one item. Uh, take a rest, uh, get a seven to eight hour minimum sleep, I suppose they mean. Uh, and drink one and a half litres of water daily. Well, that's kind of the recommendation anyway. And every meal should be warm, not cold. That's what we do at hospital. Now, then they get on to chemistry. So apparently, this is to tell all of us, that the pH for the coron coronary virus, they call it here, interesting. No, it's not a heart virus. But the pH of it, varies from 5.5 to 8.5. I wasn't aware that viruses had a pH, but I suppose everything does to some extent, doesn't it? So this flyer says, what we need to do to defeat the coronary virus is to consume more alkaline foods above the virus's pH level. So some of them uh, are lemons at nine pH 9.9. So lemons are alkaline, apparently. You've heard of citric acid, right? That's that's alkaline. So is lime. So is orange. So is pineapple. So is tangerine <laughs> and a whole bunch of other. And apparently turmeric tea has a pH of 7.4, apparently. So all these acids, they're alkaline, just so you know. Uh, and how do you know you have a coronavirus? Well, itching in the throat, dry throat, dry cough, high temperature, shortness of breath, and loss of smell and taste. Uh, that's not quite right, obviously, but their recommendation is, so when you pay attention to these things, quickly take warm water with lemon and drink. No, don't do that. Go and see your fucking doctor. Phone. Phone the health line and get medical advice and don't drink bleach. Over the last uh, couple of weeks, as you know, I have been following the, uh, the story of the USS Theodore Roosevelt, the US Navy aircraft carrier that had a COVID-19 outbreak on board. And when Captain Brett Crozier emailed his superiors for help and said, look, can I dock in Guam and deal with this? Uh, he got sacked for his trouble. Uh, well, the update on that is that there are 955 cases of COVID-19 on board. That's an increase of 122 cases, like, in a day. Uh, and 
moment, according to the Joint Region Marianas Commander, Rear Admiral John Manoni, uh, the entire crew has now been tested. There are 833 positives, 4,105 negatives, so that's good, and 112 uh, recovered. And uh, that was Monday, and 14 more sailors have recovered uh, since then. And also, uh, the US Navy is recommending that uh, the captain be reinstated. Uh, So that's good, I guess. I guess. Anyway, before I leave the United States, uh, there was and always will be Las Vegas, because (laughs) Las Vegas is a state of mind. I actually quite like Las Vegas. Uh, But uh, whether you like Las Vegas or not, here is Las Vegas Mayor Carolyn Goodwin. Every one of those lives is a tragic loss. But when you count 150 versus 2.3 million, you have to say, okay. we have to open up. We have to right. go back. Our bus drivers, our But hasn't cleaners, it been because of social distancing that the numbers have been what they are? How do you know until we have a control group? We offer to be a control group. Anybody who knows anything about statistics knows that, for instance, you have a vaccine. You're offering you the, real the vaccine. citizens of Las Vegas to be a control group to see if your I theory on social distancing no, works no, no, or doesn't no, work. No, 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 wrong. Absolutely wrong. Don't put words in my mouth. You just said, said we'll said be a control I group. Offer, excuse me. What I said was. I offered to be a control group, and I was told by our statistician, you can't do that because people from all parts of Southern Nevada come in to work in the city. And I said, oh, that's too bad because I know when you have a disease, you have a placebo that gets the water and the sugar, and then you get those that actually get the shot. We would love to be that placebo side so you have something to measure against. So all you, the data until You want to get the placebo. You don't want to get the actual... Well, no, the group who gets the placebo, by the way, usually gets the short end of the stick. Um, well, you don't know. How do you know when you, Mayor, you're in part of let that me just group? Say, you are. Mayor, <laughs> Mayor if, if, you, if casinos reopen, are you going to be inside those casinos every single night putting your own life on the line? I have lived in this town for 56 not, years. Are you going to go to the casinos no, no, no. every night and put your life on the line no, like I, all the workers I, you say I've you're been there in holding town, their hands? So I am. They don't need it. We weren't broken. We as tragically have 150 people we lost. Tragic. We have 2.3 million people here. I haven't heard and you say yes, that you would be sitting on those casino floors every night along with the people that you say you are holding their hands with. What, what is the purpose of that? First of all, I have a family. Because it would be putting your money, it would be putting money you where your mouth is. Ah, 115 people did. We got, we got plenty more people in Vegas. Now, I I should mention here that she is the mayor of Las Vegas, but the Las Vegas Strip, where the casinos are, is not in the city of Las Vegas. It's in Clark County. There's a common misconception thing. And, of course, the casinos were originally all built outside the city limits. So the old downtown area and all of that, that's 
that's Las Vegas. But, yeah, Clark County. And uh, Michael Naft, who's Clark County Commissioner for District A, so I assume that's like a local councillor, uh, he has reminded us that, uh, no, this is Clark County, Nevada, that we need to be talking about and that the uh, Clark County uh, is fully supportive of Governor Sisolak's comments about isolation and his commitment to listen to medical experts. I don't know. I don't know where this one is from. Anyway, there was an opinion headline: "Teaching my daughter at home overwhelmed me until I remembered a life-changing technique." Yeah, that's cocaine, love. Back in Australia, uh, yeah, as I hinted at the beginning, it's all about the app, and it's all about the the pressure from a lot of people who now, after forty days and forty nights, are starting to get a bit antsy about let's let's get this back going. Oh, we've seen a couple of days with low uh, new case numbers. Let's go, even though, as you know, we have all been told again and 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 again that that's not going to happen until you know, 21 days at least, and a whole lot of other things happen. But apparently the app is going to fix that. Have a listen to a telly ad. To keep us all safe and to help our health workers, it's vital to know quickly if you've come in contact with someone who has tested positive for coronavirus. It's why we've introduced the COVID Safe app. With your privacy protected by law, COVID Safe keeps a secure note of other users you've been near if you have to go out. So if they test positive for coronavirus, you'll be notified. It'll help us stop the spread sooner so we can get back to the things we love. Download COVID Safe today. Authorised by the Chief Medical Officer, Canberra. COVID safe, COVID safe. Where where have I heard that before? Yeah, I, I know. We are on the road back. And that is demonstrated uh, by the measures that we've already taken. And we're on the way back to a COVID safe economy as well, which is what we have to achieve. Ah, yes, that's it. A COVID safe economy. And we'll get there with a COVID safe app. So, yeah, look, it is... A public information campaign, which is uh, another name for a propaganda campaign, which is another name for a PR campaign. But at the core of it, use the app to save the economy so we can all get back to normality, tinkle, 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 piano music fade. Okay, Australia is actually doing well when you look around the world. But the app, uh, look, my view of the app has been on the radio a few times and on Twitter at length, so I'll just power through some some quick notes here. And Look, if you want me to do something at length about this, let me know, uh, but you'll probably be sick of it. But look, here, here goes. I've said from the beginning, we have no science that says a contact tracing app like this will actually be a net benefit. I mean, we're hearing things like, if you use the app, we can let you out of lockdown. Well, that's an insertion, an assertion. It's not a fact. We don't know. Uh, indeed, that the app approach will deliver better quality data or even data of any quality uh, than, than what we already get through manual contact tracing. Again, that's an assertion, not a fact. And that's no criticism of the people suggesting it. It's simply that no one around the world has done this before. And before you say, oh, but they, they used an app in Singapore, and, yeah, but 
do we know whether that's been a net benefit or not? No, there will, there will have to be like science done later to figure that out. We don't know how this is going to turn out. None of us do. And I guess, I, why, why am I speaking so high-pitched in this podcast this week? And in summary, look, there's, there's nothing more annoying to me than this technology is magic wishful thinking. We must do something. Here is something. So we must do this. No, I mean, just look how the app works. All it does, and you're probably sick of hearing this too now, but all it does is say you were within 1.5 metres of a known COVID-19 positive person for 15 minutes. That's literally it. It won't know if you gave your symptomless cousin a 30-second hug and boom, you're infected. It won't know if you slid your hand along a dirty uh, handrail. Uh, and it it won't be able to do things like traditional contact tracing does, which is talk to you about your habits, where you've been, and discover, oh, these, these last few people we've spoken to, none of them have any relational connection to each other, but they all mention going for coffee at a certain place and taking coffee away in the last few days. So it's a different kind of data, but whether this different kind of data will be useful enough or whether it'll have too many false positives or, or whatever, we don't know. I also have a big problem with this idea of COVID safe as the name. It isn't a, a binary, it's safe or not safe. I mean, the HIV AIDS community spent decades trying to tell people it's not safe sex, it's safer sex. Like, this is all numbers. This is all fuzzy. So there is the risk. And I – have I said that on all this on this podcast before? I, I'm not sure because I've done like a number of radio spots and I can never remember what I've said where. So sorry if I'm repeating this, but it, it is – a thing that shits me off is that we do have decades of community knowledge about how to communicate and message about infectious diseases. And the whole idea of a digital red light, green light is not how you do it. I was Annoyed by an article in the Sydney Morning Herald today, uh, which basically said that the only people publicly demurring to uh, to download the app are, quote, Twitter cranks and contrarians. Now, I kicked off about the tweet that that was in because, yes, of course, if you're going to brand people as Twitter cranks and contrarians, why would they publicly say that they're not going to use the app? Let's not explore what the objections might be. Let's just get into the name calling and, and bully them. Actually, the article itself goes on to talk to experts about why the supposedly rebellious Australians are, in fact, really quite a compliant society. And that's, that's, it's actually worth reading for that. That's another whole topic about Australians that probably needs to be explored. But since I am one of these Twitter cranks and contrarians, thank you very much, uh, and I'm already on the record as saying this, so I'm fine saying this, I am not using the app yet, and note that word, yet. Why? Because, one, 
this is in no particular order, but one, no legislation yet. Let's let's see the rules, guys. Two, no source code as promised. What's the story there? It's not like I'm going to read the source code. It's just that the government is currently not living up to its promise. And and I I don't know why that is. Three, first versions of anything are buggy. I mean, why do I want to load this thing on at the moment? But four, I know that I won't be within 15, oh, sorry, 1.5 metres of anyone for 15 minutes or more for the next couple of weeks. So why should I download it? It's not going to benefit me by telling me about anyone because there's no one to tell me about. And it's not going to benefit anyone else because even if I am or become COVID-19 positive, I'm not going to be near them. This is not useful data. Actually, there is... There is one person I may see for more than 15 minutes, but it's part of a medical thing. Uh, I've got it in my diary. He'll have it in his schedule. Um, You know, we don't need an app to remember that. So I'm going to wait and see. And, And there's a logical thing on this, right? If the government says that they'll need to legislate some privacy protections beyond the ministerial determination, whose name I won't read out again, then... Logically, that means the protections in that determination, as they currently are, are not enough. So why wouldn't I wait until they are strong enough? Now, for the heart of thinking, and and I always get this, that's my choice for me. You do your choice for you, right? Your situation is different. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just explaining what I'm doing. You, you make your own choices. I mean, if you're going out and about and doing th- you know, you do it, perhaps. But, you know, overall, don't listen to me. Don't listen to people who are not experts. Well, do. I put some more links on the podcast website. In particular, the ABC podcast CoronaCast today's was about this choice. And the first five minutes of that, Ariel Bogle, who is a much more polite uh, and shorter journalist than I am... She discusses it uh, for about five minutes, and it's a really good summary of all this shit. Uh, also, uh, the Deputy Chief Medical Officer, Nick Coatesworth, has urged Australians, you, to download the tracing app, saying it would be the icing on the cake for Australia's very well-oiled contact tracing regime. So if you would like to put icing on your well-oiled cake, the Deputy CMO... Uh, would approve. Uh, And here's another quote. This is from the Australian Information Industry Association Chair and Chief Strategy and Innovation Officer at Deloitte Australia, a guy called Robert Hillard. He says, in the absence of a medical vaccine, you could think about contact tracing as a digital vaccine with our contact data being the virtual antibodies. I mean, you could think that. I mean, you'd be a fuckwit if you did, but, you know, you could think that, I suppose. More field opinions. Field opinions are good, aren't they? That's how we decide things. Well, uh, the essential research, essential polling uh, today had the latest uh, coronavirus questions, and they have a question about the app. They explain the app, uh, stressing that it's not going to record your location and so on. So it's not a bad quick question to give someone on the on on the web and then they say uh, to what extent do you agree or disagree with these statements about the app uh so 
that people, would you be concerned about the security of their personal data if it was on your phone? 57% net agree. Could. The app would help limit the spread of COVID-19. 53% net agree. Uh, what's the unknown in here? They're all about the 20 to 30%. So that's what I mean. People are, you know, not sure. And I should say this polling was done Wednesday to Sunday. The app was released Sunday. The PR push Sunday night through into Monday. Today's Tuesday. So, you know, this is really before most people had thought about it. Uh, the app would speed up the removal of physical distancing restrictions. Net agree, 46%. I don't know how they know this, but they go. I'm confident the government will adequately protect any data it collects about me via the app. 41% net agree to that. 30% net disagree. 29, uh, 29% in the middle. There you go. And I would download this app. 40% said agree, 32% disagree, and 28% kind of neither agree or disagree at this point. So the government's aiming at 40%. They reckon Singapore had a take-up of 20 uh, The chief medical officer wants 50%. Yeah, I think it's going to happen, probably. Uh, at this stage, the number of downloads is uh, a bit over 2 million, apparently. And now to uh, conspiracy theories. Not that big a jump, really, this week. Uh, this one's from the BBC. Uh, telecoms engineers have told Radio 1 Newsbeat that they're being threatened and harassed by people who believe they're working on 5G. And 5G, of course, has been wrongly linked to coronavirus. Uh, these telco engineers, no, most aren't even working on 5G. They're just maintaining the network. And uh, Andy Kerr, K-E-R-R, who's Deputy General Secretary of the Communications Workers Union in the UK, which has 40,000 members, uh, he says uh, that these workers are playing a crucial role in maintaining the network. He says people are stuck at home whether they want to watch their box set of Peaky Blinders or someone's isolated and they want to keep in touch with family. The only way to do that is the telecom network. Box set of Peaky Blinders. There's very little more British than that. Uh, and before you ask, box set, streaming, yes. BBC iPlayer and, and a number of other streaming services, when they refer to there being a whole series available, they call it a box set. Uh, just so everything isn't about the damn pandemic. There's news from uh, the UK again that a woman's attraction to chandeliers is not a sexual orientation. This is uh, according to the uh, the body that oversees uh, press complaints in the UK. Uh, Amanda Liberty had made a complaint about an article in the newspaper. I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, because she's in, in, she loves a light fitting. Uh, she says she's, or she, it is known that she is in a long-term relationship with a 92-year-old German chandelier uh, that she calls Lumiere. Uh, the press regulator Ipso uh, said that she complained about an article in the Sun, of course it was, which mocked her public declaration of love for Lumiere. 
she argued that the newspaper article breached the regulator's code of conduct uh, because uh, it made prejudicial or pejorative references to an individual's sexuality. Ms Liberty says... Uh, her sexual identity is objectum sexual, uh, an individual who's attracted to objects. Uh, and uh, she objected to an article by a columnist Jane Moore, who had nominated for uh, her for a Dagenham Award, uh, because Dagenham is two stops past barking. Arr, 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 arr. Uh, and she also questioned the accuracy of the report, saying she's not married to the chandelier, as it said in the report. She is in a relationship with the chandelier, but not yet married to it. So the complaints panel, uh, they acknowledged that the article was uh, offensive and upsetting, according to Liberty, uh, but that they don't cover issues of taste and decency, because <laughs> if they did, there wouldn't be any tabloid news on the planet. Uh, and her attraction to an object did not fall within the definition of sexual orientation, uh, so was not covered by the regulations. Uh, I, I, I don't object to uh, Ms Liberty's wishes to be attracted or, or the fact that she is attracted to a chandelier. Is, is marrying a chandelier going too far? Should ask Simon uh, Birmingham, probably, on that. Anyway, uh, <laughs> this podcast is thanks down to you, people. It is made possible by you, the generous listeners. Uh, this episode, uh, thanks very much to Bob Ogden, uh, Drunken Madman off the Twitters, uh, Frank Filipponi, again, being very generous as usual, Keith Duddy, again, Peter Leverdink. Uh, who reminds me that people are cunts, all people, all the time. Thank you, Peter. That's true. Tim Holland, uh, again, who's been very generous lately. Thank you very much. Trent Yarwood, uh, who he's uh, his one of the things I've linked to on the webpage. He's uh, an infectious diseases physician, and he will not be doing the uh, coronavirus app yet. And Vivica Wiley, who says, Garn still. Well, Garn Vivica, Vivica, Garn Vivica. Uh, if you'd like to join these people, stillgarian.com slash tip, as I keep saying, there's a lot going on right now, isn't there? And, we're, you know, we're all we're all struggling a bit, but uh, if you can uh, contribute at the moment, uh, freelancers like me are having a bit of a tough time. And uh, as I discovered last week, this uh, JobKeeper thing, uh, which applies to some freelancers, does not apply to me because reasons. Stillgarian.com slash tip. Now, before I go, each of these episodes, I have been trying to throw a glimmer of hope uh, into the into the pot. And look, I know Eurovision is cancelled this year. I know that's that's caused trauma for a lot of people. But there is an inaugural Eurovision AI song contest. Yes, artificial intelligence. Uh, Thirteen songs. Euro Eurovision member countries, and that still includes Australia, are submitting a three-minute song made partly or wholly by artificial intelligence. Uh, Dr. Sandra Wietenborg uh, from RMIT University uh, has a team with uh, University of New South Wales and Sydney production studio Uncanny Valley. This, I'm going to play it, obviously. This is going to be their song. Uh, she says, 
uh, that when we started this process, we were still reeling from the bushfires. So we used our AI processes to turn koala grunts, kookaburra laughs and Tassie devil barks into a kind of instrument reflecting our concern for all the wildlife dying in the bushfires. The song is called Beautiful the World. should also check the video to that. It's pretty special. Uh, well, that's the edict for now. I've been a bit 
perked up because of the coffees this episode. Hope you've coped. Please feel free to send me your own thoughts too. None of you have, but if you want to throw a bit of audio into the program, do so. I'm sure you can figure it out for yourself. I'm not exactly sure when the next episode will be, but until next time, I'm still Stilgarian. Wash your hands. The 9pm Edict is a Skank Media production. Sorry. Na noć, gleda dan